It's a good day. And do you know why it's also a good day? Because there's pie at church today. Any day there's pie after church is a good day for me. I'm just, how many people like pie? Yeah. If you don't like pie, we have cookies. I personally pick them up from the grocery store, so I know that we have the cookies for sure. Cookies are fun. I have uh, two sisters, Krista and then Julie. I I go like this, but Julie's the tallest. But it's because I'm the oldest, and there's two sisters, and uh, the middle sister, Krista, she loves to bake. And so I, although I'm sure they're fantastic pies, they're not going to be quite as great as my sister Krista's pies. I'm just telling you now, because she makes these great pies. But she also uh, does many other baking, and she's done that since she was a little girl. She loved to be in the kitchen, and so she would learn, she learned to bake cookies at a very young age. And I'm not sure how old she was, but I do have this wonderful story about my sister, and it's fun to poke fun sometimes at siblings, but we have this wonderful story of when she first made cookies all by herself. She couldn't have been more than maybe seven or eight years old at the most, but she had been baking cookies with my mom for many years at that point in time, and so she had learned how to follow my mom's recipe, and so she was excited to bake cookies. She said, all by myself. I'm going to do it all by myself, and so we let her make cookies one evening, uh, and I let her, like I had any say in the kitchen at that age, but either way, she was making cookies, and we were all anticipating these beautiful, delicious cookies that were going to come our way. So Krista, she took her time, she, she found the, the ingredients, she put them all together, she baked them, we pulled them out of the, the oven, and we waited for them to cool down enough till mom said we could grab one, and, and so we, we tasted the first cookie. And a face came over that first person who tasted the cookie like, hmm, something's not right. <laughs> So another person tasted a cookie, and that person was less gracious. They like, spit it out on the countertop and said, something's wrong with the cookies. And, and I think it was maybe my mom at that point who took one and said, taste like salt. What, what did you use? And she said, well, I used the flour and used the sugar. She said, just show me the sugar. And she pulled out a container full of salt. <laughs> She had, she had put in salt instead of sugar, so those cookies were very salty cookies and not in the good kind of salty sweet mix. It was just salty cookies. They were, they were a disaster. And so at that moment, my mom said, let's make a new batch. We had to recover from that. And, and so she made a new batch together with my mom walking her through the ingredients for her perfect batch of cookies. And guess what? They turned out great. And she's never, ever made that mistake ever again. (laughs) There was value in more than one set of eyes and one set of hands uh, in the kitchen. And so we're starting a brand new series today at this first kind of launch Sunday of the fall season. And we're talking about how there's value in community. And we're talking about the body of Christ, this imagery of the body of Christ is where we're going to start today. And Craig Rochelle, he has this quote that says, God is not calling us to go to church. He's calling us to be his church. The hope of the world. Let me read that one more time. God is not calling us to go to church, or may I say simply go to church. 
But he's calling us to be his church, the hope of the world. The body of Christ, that is one of the, the words that are used to describe, the phrases used to describe the people of God, the people who follow after Christ. We call them Christians, we call them believers, but the scripture, when talking about the corporate call to worship, is talking about the body, the body of Christ. And there's something that's almost magnetic or mesmerizing about seeing a cre creative and hope-filled people working together in unison for a greater good. It's a beautiful thing. It makes me excited. In fact, uh, we get excited as staff about Sunday, not because we've been working hard behind the scenes for Sunday, but it's because it's a chance for us to all be together. And it's beautiful and it's magnetic. Uh, how many people have watched this TV show, America's Got Talent? Raise your hand if you've ever been drawn into this show before. Okay, raise your hand if you've ever gone past it on a station before. That would help too. Yeah, we've got a bit of mixed crowd of, of what we've seen. But they've got these, uh, all these different talented people who come up, and some aren't talented, and they come up to, and then they, they, the judges pick who they want and, and uh, who should go on. And they have these things called golden buzzer moments. And golden buzzer moments are those moments when um, somebody has done such a great job that they get a golden buzzer by one of the judges, and then they go on to, to, to the next stage, to the finals, just automatically to the finals. And, and it's this amazing thing. Well, there's this group that, uh, that every time they've come on, and I kind of come in and out of the room when, when it's on TV at our house, and, and uh, there's this group that are called Murmuration. Have you heard of them? And they're a French dance troupe. And they do their entire routine blindfolded and often with gloves on their hands are all looking exactly the same and they do these routines and I will not do them for you. <laughs> but they're in complete synchronization. And Heidi Klum, who is one of the judges, she said, amazingly in sync, even though you couldn't see anything because they can't see each other while they're doing this. And there's so many of you, but it was so elegant and with so much grace, I thought it was fantastic. And as a body of Christ, you know, we're kind of like that too. We don't always see everything exactly how God has planned out the path or the next step for us. But there's something amazing when the world around us sees us unified and in sync with one another. They see the elegance and the grace of God's handiwork. That's how beautiful you are. Not just to your pastors, but to God himself. And so those are the golden buzzer moments when the body of Christ is in uni unity together. So we're gonna, we're gonna have a theme verse for the next few weeks. And it comes from Ephesians chapter four, verse one to three. And I'm gonna read what's in uh, just normal font, but then in the bold font, I'd like you to read it with me. Can we do that together? Since we're talking about unison, why not? Okay, let's do it together. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Continue on. 
And the next part says, together, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. May the Lord bless the reading of his word as we've spoken it together. This idea of living a life worthy of the calling. Strong's Concordance describes it as the divine invitation to embrace salvation in the kingdom of God. That's the calling, the divine invitation. I remember we got married over 23 years ago, 22 years ago, sorry. But I remember in those days we had actual invitations, like physical invitations that we sent out in the mail to people. And, and some people do that as well, but we've received many online invitations to weddings, and that's great too. But there was this anticipation of getting these beautifully embossed invitations to be able to send out on our wedding day. And I remember that. And, and actually later on in this series, we're going to talk about this imagery of the body of Christ also being referred to as the bride of Christ. Do you know that you're one who hasn't just received a calling to follow him, You've, you have received a divine invitation, but you're also the bride. As the bride, that means you're already worthy to be there. <laughs> so when we say live a life that's worthy of your calling, we're not referring to the fact that you have to earn your salvation. Make sure you put that out of your mind. You're not earning your salvation. You've received salvation. You've become the bride of Christ as part of this, this group, corporate group of community of believers. But you have received an invitation and you are worthy of the calling. And out of gratitude, the scripture is saying, gratitude for the invitation, we live a life worthy of that calling. Can you see the difference? So the question I have for us today is how, how do we live as this biblical representation of the body of Christ. And the first way we do that, coming out of this scripture, our theme verse for this, this series, is that we live out loud. The body of Christ lives out loud their gratitude to Christ in relationship to one another. It's interesting, isn't it? It's not in, in a silo tube, just you and God, this relationship, we live it out in community with one another. So what does that life lived out loud look like in the context of the body of Christ? If the collective group of Jesus' followers are personified as a living body, what does it look like? Well, the scriptures in Ephesians, Paul says it looks, it looks like these things. We just read about them. First, humility, gentleness, patience, perseverance, love, and being loving. And it also looks like living in unity. You know, this list reminds me of another list that Paul gave to the apostles, uh, the apostle Paul gave to the, the Galatians as he describes what a believer in Jesus should look like. 
Now there's this thing that happens in the Bible that I appreciate. It gives a lot of contrast to what, uh, the way we're supposed to live versus how we shouldn't live. And sometimes they show us how we shouldn't live first so then we can now know how we should live in contrast. And this is exactly what happens in Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21, when Paul is talking about walking in the flesh. So this is what the body of Christ should not look like. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is how the body of Christ, those who are living as, as believers of Christ, followers of Christ, corporately, collectively together, this is how you should not be represented. But then... He brings us to the part in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, talking about how we walk in the Spirit, representing the, the body of Christ, uh, representing us as believers. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, gentleness, and faith, or goodness. Kind, sorry, I'm, I'm reading back and forth, and you may not know, but I have bifocals in these glasses here. It messes me up, so let's go back. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. I don't know about you, but sometimes there's a lot of fruits in the body of Christ. I mean, in a bowl of fruit salad. Oh, you're tough today. Okay. The fruit salad, there's something about uh, fruit salad where you take whatever you have in the fridge, all the fruit that are ripe and ready to go, and you put it together, and that's something that we do sometimes in our family on a, on a Saturday morning. But what I've learned practically in both in life and in ministry, that good fruit will always make a great fruit salad. Yet too much bad fruit eventually affects the quality of a salad of any size. Likewise, the good and the bad fruit in our lives affects the amount of peace within the body of Christ. So do you know what that means? We just need to bear good fruit. And I'm so grateful that we have a church that has borne great fruit in so many years and over the years your reputation goes before you. But we have to understand that over time, if we continue to allow those, those parts of our lives to come through that are not honoring to God, when we choose to live according to the flesh and, instead of according to the spirit, then this is when those bad fruit in our lives begin to infiltrate the entire body of Christ. It's interesting that Paul brings the individual choices back to their interaction with one another even so, he says, excuse me, let me go back to this. He says, I warn you as I did, um, against such thing there is no law. I apologize. Good fruit will always make for a better church body. This leads us to our next point, which is the next passage about the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 14. 
It says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. Here in Corinthians, we hear how Paul is talking about how the parts of the body affect the entire whole. And so the second thing I want to remind us about today, when it comes to how do we walk this out as the body of Christ is this, that we, number two, value one another. That we would value one another. The body of Christ values one another because each part is needed to make the whole. And I understand that many of you have grown up in the church or, or you've been a part of this church family for a long time, and this is, this is just the, the normal, this, you know this inside out, this is what you've, you've come to know. But it's really important during this next season, we've talked so much about how God has been bringing us together as a church family, how he's reorganizing and, and putting our structure together in a way that is moving us forward in what he has for us in this next season. But valuing one another is more important than ever in the body of Christ. You know, Stephanie is away this week, but she's been working behind the scenes re regarding our intergenerational dinners. And the intergenerational dinners was one of our first ideas when we first got here and we, we brainstormed even as a team was how could we do this together to involve the generations with, with one another? Because at times it's been said there are two Calvaries. There's the Calvary that's always been here, and then there's the Calvary that's like the new Calvary who are new. But I know in your heart, I know your heart is the same, that we would be one Calvary together. And so sometimes one of the best ways to do that is to bring the generations together. And if you don't think it's necessary for your faith development to be in part of something like an intergenerational dinner, I want to tell you that, yeah, it is important. And it may be not just important to you to be able to be growing in your faith and having a conversation with someone of a different generation than you, but it's important to those people who are sitting at the table with you, isn't it? They need to hear what's going on in your young life during this season and how they could be praying for you. They, your opposite generation may need to hear the wisdom that you've had from just being around a little longer than others. And so generations, intergenerational dinners is only one way, but for generations, people of faith have needed to be reminded of their need for togetherness. It's kind of as if you forget you need your feet until they fall asleep under you. You know what I mean? When you go to get up and those feet aren't moving, and you're like, man, I really, I really value my feet. <laughs> So it is with the body of Christ and the different parts. Let's keep reading what Corinthians says in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the, body, the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, 
but one body. That goes for today, doesn't it? As well as it did then, that there is a need for us to recognize and value the different parts of the body of Christ. In an individualistic society, it's more important than ever to be intentional about togetherness as a church. And that's why I'm so glad we're together here today. But it's not just regarding Sundays. It's the reason why we have these meetups and we're encouraging meetups today is because of the fact that, that we want you to join together with other people. Did you know that in the past two years, and you probably have heard this many times, but it's been suggested that North America, perhaps even the globe, is experiencing a loneliness epidemic? Folks, we can't have people in the body of Christ experiencing loneliness because we have accepted just a come and watch and then go mentality. We also have the greatest opportunity to reach out to those who are experiencing loneliness in the world around us and say, come, not just come to church, but, but come find community. Be a part of something. Be a part of, of someone who brings us hope and healing to the world and experience it for yourself. This is why the body of Christ is so important. This is why we must first value one another and all the parts, though they may be different, though they may view the world different, though they might do life different. When we're together as a family, as a church in unity, God is pleased and it draws in, it's magnetic. The world around us says, I want to be a part of that. Thirdly, how do we become this biblical example of the body of Christ? It's to, number three, contri contribute to the whole. The body of Christ contributes to the mission according to their gifts. So again, we just talked about how it's not about coming and seeing what's happening and then uh, grabbing a cookie and going and, and then waiting till the next week and then coming and going and just this in and out kind of mentality. No, there's this contributing to the whole. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 5, starting at verse 4 says this, but just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Interesting. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There's room in the body for all the different gifts. But let's not just celebrate the gifts we see on the platform. Let's remember to use our gifts as we function as a family, as the body of Christ. Not only do you have a place in this body of believers called Calvary, you have giftings that can contribute to the greater whole and that will bring fulfillment to you, but also to others. Some of you, 
Your Sunday school teachers are in this room and they have watched you grow. They've seen giftings in you before you realized you had giftings. This is your time to stand up and, and lead and show leadership. This is the time to serve in a way that, that others are not physically or even emotionally capable of doing, but you have this energy, you have this ability to serve the body in a way that you are gifted. And for others, you know that this season is different than all the others because you've become older over time. Guess what? We all have. <laughs> and I give uh, props to Pastor Jesse, who leads the kids' ministry and all those leaders who, who, who run around um, <laughs> on, a, on a Sunday morning making things happen because for several, several years, I w that's what I, I did, and I had a lot more energy back then. But it doesn't mean you can't serve in other ways. Serve in administratively, serve in a way that gives generously, serve in a way that prays earnestly for every baby in that nursery. You have a part in the body of Christ. Don't think I'm just a toe. <laughs> I'm just the elbow. I'm just the pinky finger. I, I can't really do a lot. Every part is valued. I love the scripture, and I've spoke it many times. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The body of Christ contributing to the mission of the church by using their gifts is what keeps it afloat, functioning well, making an impact on the community around us, and it brings attention and glory to the name of Jesus because everything we do as the body of Christ is for him. Everything we do is for him. We're gonna take some time to worship together again as a body of believers. And then we're gonna take some time to have fellowship together and to bless one another. Give you lots of time to be able to go look at the ministries that are happening and think, how can I get involved? or give you time to just rub shoulders with people and say thank you to those who are serving you well today. Perhaps you're gonna say, how can I get involved and serve? Today's a fresh start. It's a fall launch. And this is the opportunity for the body of Christ to shine. But we'll only shine best when we do so in unity. You know, A.W. Tozer said, 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. The first requisite is life, always. You have to have life. And I don't know about you, but I see people who have life, who are full of life, who love Jesus. Imagine what can happen when we work together, when we serve together, when we worship together, when we pray together as one Calvary. God can do amazing things. Unity for the sake of uniformity isn't helping anyone, but there is a greater purpose for the body of Christ. I'm gonna call the worship team to come up at this time. I close with a slide that says this. 
What's so special about Calvary, Peterborough? Well, I think it's, it's this to me, and I've only been here a short time, but this is my perception. It's people who are unified for one common purpose, to glorify God and become disciple-making disciples. This is what makes us different than a social club, different than a nonprofit organization. It's our love. It's our firm foundation that we've been talking, singing about. It's the fact that we are united together under this purpose of, of bringing people to Jesus because we believe it changes lives. May we not forget the value of all the parts of the body. May we not forget that God has placed each one in the body as he sees fit and he shuffles things and he changes things as he sees fit. It's not about uh, organizations doing the shifting. I mean, I've said to people more than once in this last couple of months, I don't own any staff. They work for God and he's entrusted them to us. It's the same as you. We value you, whether you are a member or not a member, but we love you to be a member. But when you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've become part of a body, and you are choosing to be a part of this local expression of the body of Christ. We want to say thank you. We want to say we love you. And we want to encourage you to take this opportunity to step into what God has for you next in this season as an active part of the body of Christ. You know, perhaps in your experience, just as we get ready to sing, perhaps in your experience, you've had one of those um, cookies gone wrong moment in ministry or in life or in church. And you, you know what it's like to when ministry or church family or body of believers leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I want to encourage you, it's time for a new attempt at a fresh batch. Don't do it alone. The kingdom has enough lone rangers. But the body of Christ needs the diversity of giftings and personalities and callings working in perfect unison to bring the hope of Jesus to a world who needs him. Amen? Don't miss out on this opportunity. Can we do something together? Why don't we stand as a sign of unity together? I'm gonna to encourage you, you can close your eyes or keep them open, but would you, as a sign of unity together, would you just lift up holy hands to the Lord together as a church family? Palms open to the Lord, just ready to receive from him and what he has for us today. A posture of willingness. We don't wanna to look too far ahead we want to become very present in this moment to what God is doing and saying. This fall, this startup season, Lord, what would you have for us, we pray? How can I trust you more in regards to the body of Christ? 
and how you are working despite her flaws, despite the things that are at times broken, God, you are at work in this body. And we're all here by grace. So Jesus, we thank you once again for your grace. We thank you that you have never let us down. And we ask that you would equip us to do the task to be the people of God who you've called us to be according to your spirit, that our lives would bear good fruit, that we would be kind and gentle and loving towards one another, that they would know that we are yours because of our love for one another, God. And we pray that that which we know is apparent here would become even more apparent in our personal lives and the lives of those who are onlookers. God, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would find us faithful and that we would be a people who would live out a life that's worthy of the call of God because we are grateful. Grateful for what you've done. Grateful for what you're going to do. And we say we trust you, God, for all you have in store for us. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's sing this song together. We've sang it already, but let's, we've got a bit of time. Let's sing it. Let's worship in unity. And I encourage you to listen. Listen to those who are around you singing. Remember how wonderful and beautiful and mesmerizing it can be to have people united in their faith, blessing God together valuing one another and serving God as the body of Christ. Let's sing together.